There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tom Bernard Show with Dave Schrader. Andy Ram Bernard. Cassie Schrader. And our very special guest, part two of Eric Poole. Excuse me while I slip into someone more comfortable. We'll be right back. More with Eric Poole right after this Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I I appreciate that. Um, But I guess the key is is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Walzer Automotive is a Minnesota family-owned business. It started in the 50s. It's grown by leaps and bounds, especially in the past few years, and they now have 23 dealerships spread across two states. The Walzer way includes upfront, no-haggle pricing on every single new and used vehicle they sell. If you change your mind, no problem. Check out Walzer's three-day return and 30-day exchange policy. I'm a customer, my family are customers, and many of my friends have bought cars from them. The Walzer way is really different, and I know you'll be pleasantly surprised. For great deals on new or used Acura, Audi, Buick, BMW, Chevrolet, Chrysler, Dodge, GMC, Honda, Hyundai, Jaguar, Jeep, Land Rover, Lexus, Mazda, Mercedes, Mini, Nissan, Porsche, Ram, Subaru, or Toyota, go to Walzer.com, Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. Ooh, cheering. I like that one. It's a live version. (laughs) We are back, Tom Bernard Show, ladies and gentlemen. What do you think of that? I hit the drum roll and everything. I hit the post. Now we're talking. You should look at doing this as a profession. I should. Absolutely. There's no question. 
Eric Poole with us, ladies and gentlemen. Excuse me while I slip into someone more comfortable. <laughs> nice title, Eric. I I blew the title the first time around because I'm so used to saying some, something more comfortable. I have a feeling a lot of people do. That I kicked the name, so we got it right. Excuse me while I slip into someone more comfortable. Eric Poole back with us. Uh, I just wanted to talk to Eric more. Dave uh, has a couple of questions for you. As a matter of fact, Eric, if you don't mind. Eric. Hi, hello, hello. There, there you are. Go. Anyway, there yeah. So I was explaining that uh, the name of the book is actually Excuse Me While I While I Slip Into Someone More Comfortable. Eric Poole with us for a second segment. Thank you for spending more time with us. Dave, uh, Darkness Dave actually has a couple of questions for you about. Uh-oh. <laughs> he goes, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Eric, do you so with the work you do? Do you work on on both uh, television and radio ads? Um, mostly radio. I, I write television, but I mostly produce write and produce radio for commercials. Uh huh. And it, how? See, I'm always fascinated when people do it, and especially you know you watch uh, Super Bowl. People tune in for Super Bowl almost as much for commercials as they do for the game. When oh. you're for sure. When you're lighting up to do that, I mean, what is the angle? Do the do the sponsors come to you with, ah, we want kind of a family feel, or we want this, or or do you guys pitch the idea of a commercial to them first and try to sell it around? Um, no, usually, usually they those buys are made so far in advance, and there's you know, they they have that placeholder, and so you know, especially with ad agency stuff, it, it comes from so many levels down. But by the time it reaches us, where it's like this is what we need, they've already got a strategy, they've already figured out what they want to sell, you know, wh- how, how they want to approach it and stuff. And so then it just becomes an executional thing of figuring out the coolest way to do that. Do you ever run into, you know, where you've, you know you've got a, a killer idea? This is going to be something great. It's going to be memorable for people. And the, the sponsor just bucks the whole idea. Oh, absolutely. All the time. And then do they... I mean, you know, all, everybody, <laughs> you ask any creative person, all their best spots are stuff that never went to air. <laughs> oh, yeah. Why do they bucket so much? I mean, when they hire experts like you to come forward and create, why are they so reticent to let you guys do what you do? Because it, it's risky. You know what I mean? Um, and especially in this era of social media and stuff where there's so much outrage about everything on, on every side. Yes. That, exactly. you know, it's very easy for them to get lambasted for something, you know. And so they, there's a lot of skittishness. Is there, when, when you're doing this too and you're pitching the, the ideas, do you bring it to, will you create an idea that if, if Wendy says no to, you can repackage it and bring it over to Burger King or McDonald's kind of? Uh... Oh, yeah. I, I used to say uh, I should have this sign in my office that says California Idea Recycling Center. You know, because it's like, <laughs> you know, if, if it's a great idea, somebody can buy, you know, so it can work for somebody. It's just certainly in the same category, at least, you know. And do you ever, see, I've got to, I love when people really put some thought into a commercial. And, you know, here, I'm a, I'm a straight guy, I'm a uh, dad, I'm doing all this. And, the, you know, when all of a sudden I watch a commercial and I start crying, I'm like, what oh, the yeah. hell have they done? What is the trigger <laughs> method? What black magic is this? There was a McDonald's. If I can manipulate you into that, right. all the better. Oh, my God. There oh, was yeah. a McDonald's oh, yeah. commercial. I want to say it was like the early 90s. And here I was a dad. I had a, a young boy at the mm-hmm. time. But in this commercial, they, they pull up to McDonald's. Um, it's like after the school dance or they pull up and the dad's loading all the girls in the car Yeah, and they're like, Hey, Sandy, did you know Mike's going to be at McDonald's? And you see her kind of give the sideways glance at the dad and he goes, Hey, who wants to go to McDonald's? And they pull into the slot and they're all starting to get out of the car and the dad reaches for the door and she goes, you're not coming in, are you? And he goes, (laughs) Oh, of course not. (laughs) So he's sitting in the car and and you see him and he's kind of slumped in the seat and he's got the fries on the dashboard and he's looking in through the window and he sees his daughter talking to the little boy. Oh, yeah. And you just see that kind of 
oh my God, she's growing up and he's just eating French fries. Yeah. And all of a sudden she turns to the window and just mouths, I love you, daddy. Oh God. Oh, and oh, then God. the McDonald's jingle goes. And I was like, in 30 seconds, they've completely reduced me. And now I want a bit, I want a, I want Big Mac and I want to just cry and hold my kid until, you know, <laughs> exactly. until he's an adult. But I was like, oh my God, yeah. Yeah. when you hit those trigger points, it's gotta be a great release when you watch people react to commercials like that and know that it hit home. And do you know who yeah, wrote the, sure. arguably the most um, famous trigger point commercial with the uh, arms of the angels, you know, uh, dog pound thing? Oh, Sarah McLaughlin yeah, was it? Yeah, Sarah McLaughlin. Yeah. yeah, because everyone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For for yeah, yeah. Uh, to, to to save pets or whatever. Yeah, yes. the rescue kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, uh, you start with that song. And, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. Well, there you people go. People start crying as soon as the song comes on. No, nobody's done anything yet. It's the SPCA. Yeah. I wonder. Yeah. Uh, I wonder who wrote that commercial because it's. I don't know. Everyone has Maybe. heard of it. Oh yeah. We're talking to Eric in the hour two about the fact that he, he came out in the mid 80s as a very young man. Um, I grew up in North Minneapolis. North Minneapolis was a, a special area of Minneapolis because it was where all the Catholics, blacks, and Jews lived. And then they built the freeway around it so we couldn't get out. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was kind of interesting growing up because uh, in that neighborhood, again, a very very religious neighborhood, but and was Catholics, pretty much Baptist and Jews, right? That's because mm-hmm. yeah, that's lot, exactly what St. Louis was. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's what I see. I love St. Louis. Many people go, "Oh God, St. Louis." I love St. Louis. I really. St. Louis do. is considered one of the finest cities to fly over. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. I, I love. I, I still go back all the time because my my family still lives there, and I, I go back constantly. And I I love visiting there. I'm not. I I always say I wouldn't want to die there, but um, I'm well, I'm very happy to go visit. It's really nice. I wouldn't want to die there. <laughs> but I remember growing up. I'm a bit older than you are, but I remember growing up in in North Minneapolis, and uh, obviously the word gay wasn't around yet. It was, but right. but it was funny. There was one guy, and I never knew what this was. I was probably nine years old. Uh, Plymouth Avenue was the main street in North Minneapolis at the time. At Plymouth Avenue, West Broadway, and then up to Lowry, and it was one of those areas, Golden Valley Road. But uh, there was always this rumor that there was a guy that that, that lived uh, just down the block, and he was a quote hermaphrodite. To this day, I don't know what a hermaphrodite is. I have no idea. What, what? I, you know, it's so funny you say that. I should know, but I don't even I, like. There's another, another term called intersex, and I'm not sure are they the yeah. same thing. <laughs> well, hermaphrodite, you're born with both sets of both sets of genitalia. Right. I, I don't think right. there's ever been a true case of a human hermaphrodite before. I think that's there's been true. like oh, really? partial ones, but a, a full hermaphrodite has both full reproductive systems. Yeah, I don't think. And a human has never had that. Yeah, yeah, that's never that. happened with humans. No, it's not happened. So, Snails are hermaphrodites. But apparently, you've done a lot of research on this, Dave. Is that is that? No, that's, that was my son Andy, actually. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That was my son Andy. <laughs> Andy does a lot of research on everything. Yeah. I like to know what <laughs> words are when I use them. Yeah, he, he, there's no question about that. But I, I just, um, you know, it's an interesting neighborhood in which to grow up, Eric, because uh, I always talk to talk to guys and say I'm I'm not a strip club kind of guy. Uh, I, it's not that I hold it against anybody. I just don't care to go to them. And they said, why? I said, when I was a little kid and I would get up in the morning and go sit on the front stoop of the house, all of the strippers and the hookers would come home, and it seemed like they always were crying. 
So I was like, oh, God. Makeup running down their face. Makeup running down their face. I said, I got no interest in that whatsoever. So it was an interesting place to grow up. In in St. Louis, to be gay in St. Louis, was it a very big deal? Well, yeah. I mean, I was not looking to be dragged behind a pickup truck. Right. That well, yeah. that would be good. It was not exactly yeah. Greenwich Village. No, I could understand that completely. So, so what kind of, how does that pressure feel? Because I will never know how that feels. It's, it's not fun because, you know, as you were saying about Minneapolis and St. Louis being very much the same way, it was very Catholic and Jewish and conservative, mm-hmm. you know. So it was like it just was not an easy place to, to, to make an announcement like I'm a big homo. You know, so <laughs> you're my kind of you guy. Is there, a, is there a place that there is a time and, and place for that kind of announcement? <laughs> good, good point, actually. Yeah. Um, so you know, when I moved out of the house, I, I moved into the city because the city was more liberal. Sure. You know, that's sure. where all the the weird stuff happened. You mm-hmm. know, and I wanted to create like a buffer zone so I could live an openly gay life that mother and dad wouldn't get wind of. Right. Right. Another thing I, I should mention about uh, St. Louis that many listeners to this show know about, because uh, we have an African, African-American gentleman from St. Louis that comes on the show, and so we, we talk about Dago Hill quite a bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> he, he had, being a black kid back then, they went to play baseball up on Dago Hill, and uh, right in the middle of the baseball game, they saw their bus rolling backward down the hill because... <gasps> They were black, and somebody went in and took the parking brake off and destroyed oh. the bus. <laughs> oh, my God. So this is it. I mean, yeah. See, that, that to me is really interesting that they yeah. were black, but they referred to it as Dago Hill. It doesn't matter. You know, it's, it's always so funny how one minority still will be happy to, <laughs> to you know, slam another one. That's true. <laughs> like we, have we learned anything from our own experience? Uh, the re- one of the reasons I brought up North Minneapolis is because uh, as I got older and, you know, people, you know, it was the late 60s and there was supposed to be all this freedom and all the rest of it. And I remember one of my friend's brothers uh, uh, came out as homosexual. And the big argument in the community, that part of the community was, there's no such thing as a black homosexual. I mean, it was not <laughs> of just... they don't exist. No, yeah. they, 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 to them, they just did they, they that's not possible. You're, you're black. You can't be homosexual. Right, right. And that's what I always they remember uh, when the, you know, the, the best little whorehouse in Texas. Sure, absolutely. Musical and movie and stuff. When, when the musical first came to St. Louis, they advertised it as the best little chicken ranch in Texas because, you know, whores oh. don't exist in, in St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> the chicken ranch. I know that for a fact is incorrect. Uh, yes, we know that for a fact is incorrect. <laughs> I, I, so when it's... When you first decided, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it, you know, to my friends first, and then it's kind of a graduated process. It is. How, how old were you when you finally did come out to your parents? 29. 29. So what, it was about, yeah. what, six, seven years? Yeah, yeah, because I've been, okay. yeah, I've been living, you know, in L.A. for a several years and I you know I was just I said to myself I'm not going to turn 30 years old and still be lying to my parents right because you know at a point the older you get the more obvious it becomes because there's no girlfriends there's no children there's no not you know what I mean mm-hmm. it's, it's like mm-hmm. um who are you fooling so you know and I after after all that that fiasco with the book and you know the letter and all that stuff to my parents <laughs> you know I said to my mom didn't you know and she said well yeah you just don't see what you don't want to see you know so they um, they told you flat out we didn't want to see this Oh yeah, and uh, you know, and but like I said, they, it, it it took them time, but they did come around. It just you know, it's it especially, you know, even in, even in, in you know late eighties, early nineties, it just wasn't something 
you know, most families wanted to hear. <laughs> I guess. And, I and, you know, because it's always that thing. You can speak to this as a parent. It's like you think, oh, my God, I don't want them to live an, uh, an unhappy life and be alone. Yeah. And all those sort of things, yeah. You know? So you're putting all the pressure on yourself. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think that's just kind of how it is. I, yeah. You know, I don't hear a whole lot of conversations like this, Eric, and I, I, they're, they're probably, they do exist, obviously, but I just think it, what you're doing is a, is a, is a great thing. You, and you reference, or at least the person who wrote the bio reference, David Sedaris and David Rockoff and uh, Austin Burroughs and people, Augustine Burroughs and people like that. So, yeah, it's been talked about before, but I, what I love is the fact that you fully embrace everything about it now, the bad times, the good times, everything. And I think if there were a lot more of conversations like this, I, first of all, I don't understand. I, I, I don't, as far as I know, have any gay relatives. I just don't know that I do. So wow. I, but I, I never did understand, why do you care? I don't understand, first of all, well, again, what your gender is, your orientation is, your, what your race is. Why would I possibly care what you do with your genitalia? I think it all, to be honest, it all comes back to religion, you know, yeah, it's like it, yeah. that's the, that's the thing that, you know, if people believe hook, line and sinker, what they're taught, True. Um, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> no, you're absolutely right about that. And I guess that's uh, for them. It's all so easy or what? Well, it's fear too. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is. Like if, if, if I, if I don't accept this or don't believe that this is wrong, then what does that say about the rest of my belief system? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a house of cards, you know. <laughs> but, you know, there is a – being a, an, a, on the outside looking in, I will tell you, if, if you if you Google me, you will find some people who think I'm racist, that I'm sexist, that I'm homophobic because I tend to be very open and honest about things, and some people can't handle that. They just no. can't do it. And I don't know what that's all about. That's why I, I felt like Seth MacFarlane was actually doing sort of a, a, a civic duty by, like on Family Guy and things like that, you know, of, of offending everyone. And I, I love that you do that because it's, yep. you know, it's, it's the way to go. I mean, the thing that always cracks me up about people getting all bent out of shape about somebody making fun of a stereotype. Stereotypes exist for a reason. Yeah, they do. You know what I mean? Eric, like I'm there's gonna, some truth to all of those. I'm going to be reaching out to you. we got to talk more often. This is fantastic. I think it, it's a great... Uh, service but I, I just love talking you're very good at your job and I hope excuse me while I slip into someone more comfortable is a huge hit and I hope you come thank back you. soon I will Tom thanks so much thank you sir Eric Poole okay we'll be back Tom Bernard show just like all of you I had been hearing about my pillow and was skeptical that it was as great as everyone says well I received my first my pillow and I love it it's very comfortable stays in that same exact position all night fantastic Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has a very special offer for Tom Bernard Show listeners. MyPillow is offering more than 50% off his four-pack special, which includes two premium MyPillows and two go-anywhere pillows. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first MyPillow. If you already know how great the MyPillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? Call 800-516-5146, use promo code TOM, or go to MyPillow.com. But make sure you use promo code TOM. Call 800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM. That's 800-516-5146, promo code TOM.
I'm Brad Huckle, president of North American Banking Company. Ask one of our bankers what they love about business banking. They always say the relationship with a client. Case in point, True North Oral Surgery and Implants is a longtime customer with a growing practice. Their banker, Julie Marshall, knows the ins and outs of what they do. So when they need working capital, an equipment loan, or funds for expansion, they call Julie. Are you looking for a banker you can count on? Give us a call. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company? A better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. See your situation. Is that your music system likes to just ignore what the command is and <laughs> jump right back to where it was? Yeah, I, I don't song. like using phones for any purpose. They really? don't. They don't like to obey. I'll figure it all out. Like I said, I do see that because I'm I'm seeing two contrasting songs. The one's like, no, I'm not ready to play the Animals' House of the Rising Sun. I'm Let's not just playing House of the Rising Sun. Forget that, it. Yeah. That'll well, all work on the end. Like I, like I said, that's the kind of stuff that I don't worry about. It's when people refuse to do their job that pisses me off. Right. It's mm-hmm. like they know what to do, but they just won't do it. That drives me over the edge so I get psychotic. I'm fully admitting it. Readily and fully. Oh, yeah, you want me to do that? Well, I'm not doing that. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> Remember, it's the four beat. This is your job. Do your job. Do your damn job. And remember when you used to work here? <laughs> Those are the four beats right there. Well, people need to have that kind of respect for work again. It's, it's sad. You're you go right. You places. And, it's a good point. You know, I, I, I look out and I think, you know, I remember I was writing the end tales of people, you know, wearing uniforms to work. You know, working at the movie theaters mm-hmm. and people had the, the nice jackets with the dicky, But they just had that kind of regal look when you yep. went to the theaters. And it was, it was an experience to yep. go out. And you go to restaurants now and it's, you know, or, or out to the movie theater. And everybody just doesn't seem to care. You got their gym shorts on at the nice restaurant. Right. Yeah, yeah. that's true. And, uh, and I true. don't even mean just the patrons. I mean the employees. They no, just seem I know. kind of, yeah. And we'll see if it, yeah, it, it works out. It well. doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't matter. That's a very good way to put it. It just... Eh, you know, it's not that big a deal. Don't worry about it. Everything is fine. I should probably check in on the headlines of the day because I haven't done that yet. And, of course, the very first one that pops up is the royal wedding, mm-hmm. so forget it. Oh, God. Markle's ha- I predicted, and Dave, I don't know if and, and I I've think been Cassie listening, yeah. Um, this marriage is going to last about two years. That's my prediction. If that. If that. And then they'll kill her in an accidental <laughs> tunnel collapse. Yeah, tunnel collapse. I'm just saying. Uh, here we go. They've been married for two whole days. Mm-hmm. And there it is. Meghan Markle's half-sister claims bride's mom, Doria Raglan, cashed in on the royal wedding. I'm sure she did. Oh, my God. It's just they're going to start. Her family is a disaster. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. Well, I was just talking about growing up in North Minneapolis. A lot of families over there were a disaster. <laughs> and it wasn't called a skin color, man. It was just the. It just was what it was. Why do you think everybody's so... Psyched about royal weddings. I don't period. know. I don't get it. I just don't understand. Why do you? Get, it's nice. You know, she's I, a beautiful woman. He's a douche. But but what? Well, why? What? What makes him a douche? I mean, it's just wearing that Nazi outfit in Halloween was not a good idea. No, that was not a good but idea. The whole idea man. is you're supposed to wear something scary and weird, right? Well, well that's true. Go. I mean, that's, if you're, that's you're going for scary. something that's uh, yeah, it's a good point. Culture, you know, you got to be careful with that too, I guess. But uh, yeah. It's just it's it's fascinating to me to watch. You know, I did two trips last year to England, and American people came with me on the trip. Oh and, yeah, and to just see the awe and ins- inspiration in their faces of seeing these places, and it is neat to see, and it's yeah, a great part of I can see that. that culture. But I've, I've 
the whole idea of just the royal family and that that power that and that allure that they still hold over mm-hmm. us. And I wonder once Queen Elizabeth is dead, if it will stay there. If if that same or with her passing, yeah. will that magic be yeah. broken? Because it, and I guess it depends on who it goes to. Because right now, if she goes, Charles gets. He's takes the king. over. Yeah, he's but if, the king, if like right. Charles goes before mom, and and you've got uh, Prince William, so then it's William, right? Then I think the maybe king. the majesty of of it comes back because I think there's such a break in how people care about about uh, Charles at this point. I don't know if there's gonna if they'll ever recover. Yeah, if he takes over. Yeah, and, you might and, be right about that. And Elizabeth has no plans to abdicate. She really believes the the Lord has put her in this place. Yeah. And she needs to stay there. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh I don't understand the fascination with royalty. I don't it's like no. I mean there's, there's still a king of Norway and all that. Maybe and, it's because of the the pomp and circumstance of it and that it's still I guess. like you're you're kind of looking back at a point in history. Which we don't see anymore. And it's a lot different than our lives, obviously. Right, right. A lot different. I mean, they're billionaires for no reason. I don't really understand that part of it. It's like, why are you billionaires? Well, they're figureheads. It's like, uh, figureheads, it's like being right. a CEO of an organization. As long as you're the face yeah. of that organization, like Dave Thomas with Wendy's. Not that with I'm comparing right. the royal family to right. the father of Wendy. Well, no, it's the same but thing. But there's a figurehead that comes forward. Lee Iacocca was a big one with that too, right? Was yes. he really paid for what he was doing or was he paid to be Lee Iacocca? That is still so bizarre that his name was an anagram for I am chairman of Chrysler Corporation of America. That spells Iacocca. I did not know that. Isn't that bizarre? Yeah. How you become the chairman of Chrysler Corporation of America and your name is I am chairman of Chrysler Corporation of America. Iacocca. Some people are born to it. like, what the hell? Well, that's how we got the last name, like Plumber. Yeah. Right. And fielder. Yeah. And gardener. Right. Is that it was what our job was at one point. But it's funny when you see people and you look at their names now, because, of course, we don't live by that rule anymore. You know, it was just, oh, Tom Tom was the presenter. So he's Tom presenter. Right. Uh, That that would be the way it would become. But you do see people now that, you know, you look at their names and then what they do Uh, in my field with our radio show. There was a guy named Kevin Malarkey. Kevin Malarkey, yeah. Who wrote a book about how his son had died and gone to heaven and came back. Yep. And now we find out that it was a complete lie. Malarkey. Right. Yeah. And you're like, oh, your name really seems to live up to <laughs> your expectations. So maybe you do live up to that right. name. Maybe yeah, that's what happens. Yeah. But the Iacocca thing is way beyond all that. Yeah, that is pretty bizarre. That is just really Or that's bizarre. just somebody with a lot of time to I'm figure right, out yeah, that, hey, what true. does my name stand for? I honest to God. Right. Well, Dave Hamilton didn't want to use the name Dave Hamilton on the air, so he used the name Dave Cooper. And I said, why do you want to be Dave the Barrel Maker? He goes, what? I said, a Cooper is a guy who makes barrels. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's like, (laughs) (laughs) a lot of these names, I don't know. Yeah, finding out what people's names actually do mean, it's, it's pretty interesting. There's no doubt about that. Although Saturday feels nearly a million years ago at this point, we're really just a couple of days out from the royal wedding of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, the new Duke and Duchess of Sussex, and have some new, uh, oh my God, some of the people are selling their gift bags online. Mm. Oh, they got the royal gift bags and they're selling them. Oh, that's, that's Well, have you ever seen what these gift bags are at like award ceremonies? Yeah. Thousands, right? Sometimes Tens of thousands tens of, of dollars thousands. of, of, of stuff right. in there. No. And then most of them don't even keep it. They give it to their assistant. Yeah, that's true. That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, 
Well, here you go. How have some of the lucky guests of the nuptials been celebrating? Why, by selling their royal wedding gifts on e- uh, gift bags on eBay, of course. Granted, the royal wedding was not a small affair for the actual ceremony. 600 fancy people were invited inside St. George's Chapel, Windsor Castle. On top of that, 1,200 other people, also known as members of the public, were invited to watch the whole thing go down outside the chapel, but still on the Windsor Castle grounds. And those 1,200 people were given free gift bags to commemorate the occasion. Well, there are a lot of them. Not all of them, but a lot of them are uh, selling them on eBay. It's like free bobblehead night at the Twins game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> The Daily Mail reports that at least 25 of the bags were listed for 25 pounds, around 420 pounds. That would be $33 to $570. One gift bag even apparently drew fierce bidding of up to $1,378. How? What's in it? I don't know. I mean, it's... Some tissue. They ever say. Oh, toys. Yeah, I mean, that's about it. Earl Grey tea. I have no idea. what It doesn't say what's in them, which I don't really understand. Or is it just to have that piece? I think. I think it's just to have the bag itself. Collector's yeah. mentality is really weird. It yes, is. It, it is. is. And I, I'm not. I'm a collector, so I get that. You know, I used to oh, sell okay. coins, and, oh, and yeah. I sold gold and silver and platinum and, and collectible coins. And to me, it was the silliest thing I'd ever thought. And I literally, I'd roll my eyes at the idea that people were buying coins. Meanwhile, I'm putting out fifteen hundred bucks for number forty-two of Amazing Spider-Man. And I'm yeah. like, it's a, it's a time's yeah. worth of paper and ink. I just spent fifteen hundred bucks right. for. Right. But here you've got uh, here you've got all of this, uh, you know, gold, silver. At least that has some kind of uh, actual value to it. But yeah, absolutely. Co- the collector mentality is so bizarre because you want everything. Remember, how about this? The precious moments market. Do you remember that craze in the '80s? Those little so. figurines from Manesco. Oh yes, I do remember those. The yes, little I kids do. with the big yep. eyes, yep. and then and they would explode. They would absolutely explode in collectability. And that guy stole the idea from his wife. Oh no, that was the, the uh, painter. That, that was the painter. That yeah, was, the, was the, the big, big eyed painter. The big eyed painter. But these yeah. little figurines blew up. Yeah, and then I you just that. watch this cyclical nature. Same with the uh, Cabbage Patch Kids, mm-hmm. and then Furbies. <laughs> yeah, Furbies. That's right. And you you watch how people tie Beanie Babies. What oh, the God, hell made them were... collectible? It was a false. It's like cryptocurrency to me. It's like it's the trend, and you could buy and sell. And people were going to put their kids through college because you would spend up to fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars for a little animal filled with beans. I know. I just two thousand dollars. Yeah, and then all of a sudden the bottom dropped out. Now you go to garage sales and they've got them in dump bins for a quarter apiece. Or you go into Goodwill and they're sitting on the shelves. You can pick them up for you know ten cents, twenty five cents. Somebody orchestrated that whole deal. They had to have. It's got to be. It's 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 genius marketing. It is. Well, you know, even going back further, do you remember the advent of the pet rock? Yes. Oh, God, yes. Absolutely. It was a rock in, in a, a box. box. With holes in it to breathe. And everybody bought it. Everybody yeah. had to have it. it. Because it was so funny and kitschy, everybody wanted it. You're absolutely right. There were breathe, breathing holes in the box so the rock could breathe. We as people, <laughs> if there's any kind of idea that it's kitschy. Right now, they've got the truck nuts. Have you seen oh, these? Oh, yes, that yes, hang yes. off the bumper of your trucks. They're like a sack that look like they have two testicles. A lot of churches them. make them take them off the bumper when they come to church. Oh, really? Yeah, they do. I it's didn't like, know that. You can't come in you our park. you have a rule with that? Apparently. Well, I've got the big darkness radio logos on the side of my oh, car, yeah, and I yep, pull yep. up to Noah's Ark, our church uh, daycare, and the parents would all be like, <laughs> what? What, are, what is going on here? Um, You're not popular, is that? No, I was. People <clears throat> yeah. were, you know, sidestepping. But then they're the ones that'll hit me up at the bar to tell me their ghost story later. But in the church parking lot, not That's so different. much. But it is weird how we, 
how we find these collectible things or interest in in the royal weddings or this and right. it's such a massive fascination this this wave and it just doesn't seem to have any rhyme or reason to why people become invested how, into one thing or another yeah i don't know how they get that stuff started but there have to, there has to be some genius behind it driving the whole thing orchestrating the whole thing and they're really good at it simon bar sinister it's gotta be simon i love that name by the way where did that name come underdog from? but i mean where did the name come from because it's know. a great name. it is yeah in the pantheon of, of evil villain names simon bar sinister is definitely up there it's we have the oil can harry our guest oh our guest on already okay uh-huh we can put them on. Absolutely, we can pop them on right now. As a matter of fact, what do we have? About uh, two and a half minutes to go. Yeah, mm-hmm. you got two and a half minutes. Then we can take a break and come back and get the same thing done. Max Simon, ladies and gentlemen, Greenflower Media, educational platform. As a matter of fact, Max, how are you today? Good to be with you guys. Donald, so, nice to have you, Max. Tell me about Greenflower Media. What's that all about? We're the world's largest video platform for trusted cannabis knowledge God, and I what love- that means is that as this whole world is kind of opening up to legalization and trying to understand you know what it means from a medical side a science side a safety side industry side investor side you know we have over 600 experts that produce video content with us to share the facts the information the research and essentially what you know to trust uh, Max, I, I got to tell you something. We uh, we do two shows a year out in Las Vegas. We did up until last year, and of course, uh, Nevada has legal pot. And we went to the pl- a place called the Grove. It's right across the street from the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Pretty good uh, positioning for a for a yeah. legal uh, marijuana store. <laughs> I would say right across the street from a college, but. I, we were just talking about this, Max, by, by coincidence, because I don't do any show prep, so I don't know who's coming on. But by coincidence, Dave and I were talking about the fact that when I do 10 milligrams of indica, I sleep like a rock, and, if I, and, and I don't have nightmares. If I normally sleep, and I have for about four years now, I have nightmares every night. So Dave said, well, that's probably PTSD. And uh, he's right, because I've... Had kind of a stressful life, Max, and we can get to some other time. We'll talk about that, but I don't understand why some states are making it so difficult to let a guy sleep. I, I, I just don't understand that, Max, at all. What is the problem here? So the problem is that for decades and decades, the government had a very strong stance on the harms and risks and damages of this plant. The problem was that that had never been corroborated by science and not backed by any actual credible research. People don't actually know that the whole legalization movement uh, was made, cannabis was made illegal because of racist policies trying to keep Mexicans out. Here's what we're going to do, Max. I'm going to take a very quick break for two minutes, but I'll come back and we'll leave it there. Uh, two minutes. I want to hear all about this. This is a phenomenal point you just brought up. Max Simon, our special guest, will talk about Greenflower Media in just a couple of minutes. Tom Bernard Show. Hi, this is Tom. If you spend any time at the lake, you can relate to the pure joy of hanging out on the dock. You, family, friends, and the calm of the water. If this sounds like heaven, you're going to want a flow dock. Flow docks are rock solid with double bracing to eliminate side-to-side sway. And get this, you could install level, and remove your flow dock without even getting into the water. 
You see, Flo's passion to invent a better way to make life easier comes through in every product they make. Right down to Flow boat lifts that are quieter, faster, and effortless to install and use. Are you starting to see a pattern here? Flow is about making things easy, meaning you have more time to enjoy being at the lake. Isn't that why you go there in the first place? See for yourself why they say they've been perfecting leisure time since 1983. Call or visit Flow's newest dealer in Chanhassen. Lakeshore Equipment, 952-474-DOC or lakeshoreequipment.com, of course. Flow docks and lifts. A better way. I remember when my older brother came home from Vietnam and how proud I was to be seen with him in uniform. I'm a huge supporter of our military men and women and always have been. I've also got a soft spot for women and children. Lincoln said in his second inaugural speech that we should take care of the wounded and care for the widows and orphans. That's exactly what the Gold Star Ride Foundation does. This summer, the Gold Star Ride Foundation will travel across the country visiting Gold Star families on an ambitious adventure to help those families and remind them they are not forgotten. I made a commitment to help this organization just like Weston Choppers, Northlight Color, and Print Media Minnesota, and you should too. It's pretty easy to do. Just visit www.goldstarride.org and click the Donate button. Many of my listeners already have, and that's great, but let's not forget, we're all in this together. www.goldstarride.org. Today's a good day to do it. Be proud of our veterans and their families. Make a contribution today. What do you think of that, Max? He plays Green Green Grass of Home. <laughs> my kind of song. <laughs> it's my kind of song. All right, we're talking to Max Simon about Greenflower Media. Um, you brought up the fact that uh, that marijuana, you know for a fact it was blocked for that reason. Is this speculation uh, that, that, that there were racist motives behind it? Look, the the, the truth is, the whole anti-legalization movement wasn't backed by science, and it was right. racially and politically motivated. And now, in the modern world that we live in, there's been a tremendous amount of research and study done at a very kind of small level, because being federally legal, it's uh, still a Schedule One substance, so it's been had to be done in smaller ways. And yet there's an enormous amount of research about the safety of cannabis and the safety of what it can do for people's health and well-being. And the only obstacle to the legalization movement is really old, outdated thinking that hasn't been updated by the facts and the science and the information. And that's ultimately why we started Green Flowers, because as we started talking with the doctors, the scientists, the researchers, the nurse practitioners, the innovators, the people on the front lines of this, it is literally impossible to ignore how effective and safe this plant is for our society. Yeah, I think, as I said, I I took 10 milligrams of of indica, slept like a baby. It was wonderful. I tend to be a pretty jacked up person, a lot of, like I said, PTSD and a a lot of that kind of thing. And it really, really helped me out. 
Now, you can get medical marijuana in Minnesota, but you want to talk about, somebody brought up, I think, jumping through 15 flaming hoops to get there. Yeah. Right. Um, it's just ridiculous that they know some. So booze is okay, which I don't mind. You, you don't want to drink, you know, booze or wine or beer, or whatever you want to do. Uh, you know, don't drive. I would say that and act responsibly and don't get into fistfights and all the rest of it. But I've never seen anybody get into a fistfight when they're on an edible. <laughs> I've never seen it happen, Max. You know, the problem, too, is that everybody thinks about this from such a kind of outdated perspective yeah. when, in reality, the four most prominent reasons why people use cannabis, and by the way, the fastest growing demographic is baby boomers, is number one, sleep, because it is a natural, effective way yep. to get a full night's rest mm, and to yep. stop a lot of the night terrors that people have. Secondly, it's pain. And all of the reasons why people are turning to cannabis instead of opiate replacement. Three, inflammation. CBD in particular is proving to be, in many cases, a more effective anti-inflammatory than even certain steroids. Mm -hmm. And four, depression and anxiety. We don't realize that we have a country that's absolutely in an epidemic oh, yeah. with anti-angiolytic drugs. And yet... The four most prominent reasons based upon the data of why people are using and benefiting from and getting real transformational results from cannabis is those four things. And that doesn't have any conversation into play with what's happening in the kind of the movement right now to legalize it for, uh, you know, recreational purposes. Now, Max, is there, is there anything like, you know, to match big pharma? Is there big alcohol? Are they fighting it as well? You'll find the biggest opponents have been the people that have the greatest to lose. Right. Big Pharma, there's right. an enormous substitution effect happening from people yep. taking cannabis and reducing this polyforma effect, whether it's multiple medications or opiates. You're seeing a significant decrease in alcohol sales and alcohol consumptions, and oh. then also alcohol-related abuse in states where legalization is happening. And so you see those kinds of things. And then guess who's the third opponent? It's the private jail system and the people who benefit <laughs> from the amount of arrests happening in unlegalized places. Is it true that we have, the, as, as far as percentages are concerned, we have the highest percentage of people in prison anywhere in the world? Especially for nonviolent drug charges. Yes, yes, especially. I just I wish we would get to some point in our, our political system, uh, Democrats and Republicans, it's both of them, there's no doubt about it, that everything has to be uh, in favor of them. They have to be able to buy your vote, otherwise they will not vote for anything. The, the nice thing that's happening right now is that cannabis is a bipartisan issue. And I'll tell you, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. There's a lot of money in cannabis. There's a lot of popularity in mm -hmm. cannabis. But you know what happens pretty consistently these days, and this is something we see at Greenflower all the time? It only takes somebody close to you getting sick where the medical system can't help them yeah. to have them at a last resort start saying, I, I mean, I'll give you a good example, your sleep example. I, I can tell you thousands of stories from people on Greenflower. They tried everything. They, they did all the sleep medications. Yep. They did everything, but nothing gave a solution. And then they started taking the right dose of cannabis every night, and it changed their life forever. Yep. It's those stories and those experiences that happen in 
in legislation and in policy, and it's happened more and more and more, that all of a sudden the whole thing starts to shift. Hey, Max, can I ask, uh, this is Dave Schrader, Wing, and when when did marijuana become illegal, and then when did it become classified as the most dangerous of narcotics? In the 70s, so it all happened simultaneously. Essentially, here's the history. There was a lot of Mexicans and, and people coming into the United States and they were consuming, you know, their plant, their, their, their uh, consciousness alteration of choice was marijuana. So the government found out that that was true, and they said, Is it, in order to spy on the Mexicans and have a way to infiltrate their communities, we're going to make marijuana illegal. And they basically fabricated one and only scientific study that talked about the harms of this plant. And that allowed them to pass both the criminal actions of marijuana, but also to put it on the Controlled Substances Act at the same time. And they found that because this was something that they could create an allure around, this whole marijuana myth and the reefer madness, it became tremendous political fuel to allow people, parents, conservatives, to say, you know, I want somebody on the side. So you see people like Reagan and all those people that came behind him just jumping on the bandwagon when this whole time there was never actually any research done. And this is what makes people so infuriating when they learn about it, is that we had this plant utterly demonized from something that had absolutely no evidence about it in the first place. And it went from just being a bad drug to like the worst kind of drug ever imaginable, right? I mean, it was even, it's, if I remember this correctly, it was categorized worse than... Um, well, that's not what the scheduling means. It's based on um, medical, uh, whether or not it can be used as a medical, uh, you know, thing. Schedule well, one basically it, just means they say... In schedule, no, as a schedule one substance, it's in the same classification as heroin, cocaine, and methamphetamine. It's still there. <laughs> Which is medical, so that kind of defeats that, that theory, though, right? I mean, if, if it can be used for medical purposes, why would they demonize it so much? I, yeah, I understand at so. that time you'd think that, okay, we want to we wanna control how it's coming in. We want to control how it's being done. I understand that, but it just seems like you, you don't want to buy into this nefarious idea that there's, you know, big pharma controls our health and, and maybe the way our, our planet uh, populates, but it sure seems like that as we continue to go down yeah. this rabbit hole deeper because they're it's keeping true. from us drugs that... Are, are helpful, beneficial, and they're not even giving any time to it. And then they're they're holding up time trials and tests to prove this. Um, it, it makes no sense. It, it gives you this idea that we really are in this horrific kind of police state in our country where they're keeping us from getting things to make our lives better. And instead, we're steeping our lives in drugs that are destroying us. That is true. Matt? And the, the incredible, the incredible thing, though, about the whole marijuana movement is that at this point, people have had enough of their own direct experiences and there's enough people getting benefit from it, regardless of what the government thinks, that you've got a whole global army of people that are essentially fighting for proper regulations and, mm -hmm. and the proper view of what this looks like. And so the difference there is that they can fight this all they want, but it is gaining momentum in ways that is unstoppable at this moment. And now it's just about what side of history are you going to be on? My feeling is that when people start to understand and learn about the truth of this plant, the science of this plant, most people don't even realize that the plant 
mirrors the exact same compounds that your own body produces, which keep you in a state of balance and happiness. They don't realize that your system has the largest network of receptors that exist in the human body designed to interface with these cannabinoids. You learn about these things, and all of a sudden you begin to immediately understand why it helps people that have epilepsy, why it helps people that are suffering from cancer, why it helps people sleep better, why many people who treat veterans are saying that cannabis is the most comprehensive PTSD solution that exists because it addresses the forgetting effect, which is important for people that have nightmares, the sleeping effects, they get restful sleep, the stress-relieving effects so that they can start to live a, a normal life again, and the happiness factor so that they feel good. It's got a comprehensive suite of things that help people, and as you learn about it, I think it's unstoppable in its ability to start to become a part of our society for the good. I think you're absolutely right. i got to read a, a, a text I got. Actually, uh, listeners are texting quite a bit here, Max, and I, I can't identify or I, I don't want to identify um, the person. They, they put their name in it, but I won't do that. Um, my partner sleeps terribly. I just caught your show. What was the name of that type of stuff you take for sleep? And is it an oil? No, it's actually an edible. Um, assuming you can pick it up in California or Las Vegas. Yes, you can get edibles, California or Vegas. By the way, I should mention, uh, as I'm reading this message, that the person who can't sleep, Max, is a medical doctor. <laughs> so what does that yeah. tell you? So I mean, let me just uh, say that um, tomorrow is a big day for us at Green Flower because we uh, we got shut down by YouTube a few weeks ago, if you can believe that, or, really? uh, <laughs> which is, feels like a form of censorship. But uh, essentially, we decided as a result of many of these things that, that starting tomorrow, our whole platform for consumer and health education goes free. And so everybody that's looking for guidance on health and wellness and sleep and pain will be able to access all of our content from the world's top experts for free. But I say that because part of it is just an education process. It's not that the edible is what's helping people sleep, even though that does have a long-lasting effect. It's actually the ingredient THC, Mm -hmm. that thing that makes people feel high. That THC ingredient taken in certain doses also has a sedative effect that allows yes. people to sleep through the night. And so right. it doesn't really matter if you're taking an edible or an oil or you're vaporizing or you're smoking. Oftentimes, a little bit of THC right before bed taken in whatever delivery method will help people sleep, you know, 50% longer throughout the night. But now, yeah. if, if I do that in the state of Minnesota, first of all, it'd be very difficult for me to get uh, a medical marijuana card. Uh, but if right. I did it, if I if I traveled somewhere and brought it back, I better keep it a real secret because I I don't think it's a felony to bring it into the state of Minnesota, but right. it would be a, a huge headache for me. And and I would sleep so much better if I had it, but I can't have it. I can have it in Vegas. I can have it in California. But then they'll give, us, they'll give us uh, prescriptions to drugs whose side effects then uh, include depression, anxiety, yeah. suicidal thoughts, oh, yeah. and violence. You know, I've had yep. doctors oh, tell yeah. me. Well, if you're having trouble with your sleep pattern, um, you've got to, you, you still have some of the Vicodin left. I'm like, yeah, we'll take that. What they don't talk about in, in cases of opiates and, and mm-hmm. some of the Vicodin, it creates rage issues oh, yeah, for people. And it most definitely. But does. you you look at the downfalls of THC and working with medical marijuana and cannabis; those are non-existent. It's it's unbelievable that so, we're still this stupid. Let me tell you a great story. So. 
the one of the manufacturers of um, of methadone, terribly toxic uh, opioid, you know, uh, that he created 30 years ago. So he's now in cannabis. And he came into our studio and we sat down and had a whole interview with him. And, and, and you know, he actually felt apologetic because he didn't realize that what they created was going to be so, so toxic for society. But he went on to talk about the fact that, you know, he's been creating pharmaceutical drugs for 30 years. And it's the first time in his entire life that he's worked with a substance that has this range of medical benefits with no LD50, meaning no lethal dose. He said, you can't have that with Tylenol, with no, aspirin, right. with any single pharmaceutical on the planet. And yet here we have this all-natural substance that literally has no lethal dose and the widest range of medicinal properties that he's ever seen. And so I think it's a perfect microcosm of the potential of what we can do with this plant as people get better educated. Max, we will reach out to you again. I'd love to talk to you more about this. It's a great subject. Green Flower Media. Max Simon, thank you, sir. Good to be with you guys. I'm happy to come back. We'll talk soon. I guarantee it. Thanks for listening today. That'll do it. Tom Bernard Show.